<laughs> Stay tuned. You are now listening to Horror is My Happy Place. A horror podcast experience brought to you by Rabbito and Demon of the Dead Productions. <laughs> Greetings, boils and ghouls. I see you are here for tales of horror and blood and all things belonging to the macabre. Hmm? Well, tonight we lead you on a journey to a place where the cold winds blow and terror hides beneath the earth in the deepest, darkest caves known to mankind. Oh, tie up your boots, don your furs, sharpen your blade. This one's called the Black Tower. Cold winds sweep a barren mountain pass, who twists its way upwards like a snake reaching for the dark, bloated clouds above. As the red disk of the sun sets beneath the crimson sands to the west, the thin shadows of the occasional conifer stretch like dark fingers grasping at the rocks. Within the solitude of such a majestic, imposing landscape, two figures wrapped in heavy cloaks march laboriously on the gravel. How much longer? Longer. The woman pants and sighs. She's clearly fatigued. Listen. Back at the inn, two days past. Those men were calling this place... The Devil's Spine. Wasn't it? It is, yes. Is that why you won't bring me all the way? Because of those stories? Those eight stories. Nobody's ever made it back from the gorge. Unless you want to count those half-eating corpses old Duncan found by the mill. Those bite marks. That nothing I've ever seen. And if those flesh-eating demons don't get you, it'll be the shadows of the woods. Mark my words. I can pay you, know. How much more do you want? I'll take you to the gorge, and then you go alone. That's the deal. And if you had any sense at all, you'd go back with me. As the last light is extinguished by the dark line of the horizon, the cold intensifies and the sound of critters breaks the monotonous howling of the wind. For another full watch, the two walk in silence, the rhythm of their feet becoming more and more irregular. Then the woman stumbles and falls. The man who's been walking a few paces ahead turns and helps her up. I can't. I can't feel my feet, please. I need to rest. We cannot rest here. It's too dangerous. We need to keep going. I'm paying you to get me across, Oldham. Not to kill me. Yeah, have some water. He hands her a canteen. There's a small cave behind the next bend. We can rest there, but no fire. Oh, praise be the God. Yes, please. Having reached the cave after considerable efforts, Oldham helps the woman inside where she drops to the ground, exhausted. He then takes out the blanket from her backpack and wraps it around her frozen, tired body. 
Yeah. Drink this. Uh, I don't think... I don't think I feel very well. You must. It'll help with the cold. She takes a sip, but the spirit is so strong that she can barely keep it down. Now, make sure you don't fall asleep, or you'll definitely die. Wait, where are you going? I need a scout ahead, but it won't be long. And when I'm back, we'll go. Listen, can't we just make a small fire? I really can't... No, no fire! You rub your body, like this. Then you drink some more. But listen, don't go to sleep. Fine, fine. I won't. Oldham adjusts his sword belt, then quietly leaves the cave and disappears into the night beyond. Wake up. (gasps) The man puts a hand on her mouth. The woman's eyes go wide and she nods. As she comes awake, an adrenaline surges into her. She notices that the man is brandishing his sword and his face and clothes are all covered in mud. You stay close. You follow me quietly. And if I say run, you make for the trees up the slope. Do you understand? What's going on? Oldham replies with a finger over his lips and motions her to follow, while stealthily he makes his way out of the cave. As they quietly retrace their steps, the only audible sounds are the light crunching of the dirt under their feet, the relentless blowing of the wind and the woman's heavy breathing. Then, suddenly, chaos erupts. A group of savages emerge from the trees and snarling like wild beasts they attack. The woman screams, the man curses as he engages in combat. His blade cuts flesh a couple of times before he is taken down by multiple blows and the hurling of rocks. The woman, who by then had fallen to the ground, tries to crawl back towards the cave but she is quickly seized by strong, hairy arms and a blow to the head drowns her in darkness once again. The cold dampness of bare stone against her naked body brings the woman back to her senses. Her arms, stretched behind her back, are tied up at the wrists by thick, rough cords who cut into her flesh, sending jolts of pain all the way to her shoulders and neck. As her eyes open into absolute darkness, terror rises within her. Dear God, where am I? Help! Help me! The only response is a faint moan, a few paces away in the darkness. Who's there? What did you do to me? Where am I? Another moan. This one more laboured, followed by violent fits of coughing. (coughs) Oldham? Is that you? (coughs) You! You you alive! Oh, by the God's mercy! I thought you were killed! We must get out of here, Oldham. Before they come for us, whatever they are. Oh, no. It's too late for me. Too late. No, no. It isn't. Not like this. Spurred by adrenaline and survival instinct, she begins pulling on the rope, then growls in frustration when she realises that it won't give. We need something to cut these ropes. Like a sharp rock or... or... Oldham? 
All of a sudden, a new sound pierces the darkness. She can hear footsteps approaching, faint at first, then growing louder, closer. Alden! They're coming! Alden! Old, rusted hinges squeak ominously as a heavy wooden door is opened and the light of a torch inundates the small, dank room. A creature more beast than man and covered in filth from head to toes steps inside. The woman screams at the sight of the savage, then her eyes turn towards the figure to her right, and her screams rise in pitch and intensity. As she sees what is left of Oldham's body, his legs have been crudely sawn off. One of his arms has been reduced to a disfigured lump of flesh and blood that seems to have been crushed repeatedly. Oldham! Oh no! Oh God! Please, no! The brute grabs Oldham by his remaining arm and with a 20-inch long blade made of what looks like white bone, cuts the rope that secures him to a crude ring embedded in the cave wall. Then he starts dragging him out like a sack of meat. As the door closes and the room is once again drowned in darkness, silence reigns for what feels like decades until an agonizing scream erupts somewhere outside, followed by another, then another, each one louder and more agonizing than the one before. The woman whimpers as the screams continue, accompanied by thumping and grinding sounds. When they finally die down, she is hyperventilating, her frantic heartbeat deafening in the silence. Slowly, she regains control of herself as thoughts start racing and the adrenaline kicks in. All right, Alice, calm down, think. In a few minutes, he'll be back for you. You have to get out. You have to do whatever it takes. When the door opens and the brute steps into the room once again, Alice is kneeling on the floor, her head bowed down, her arms bound behind her back. The savage approaches her, brandishing the bone knife, and comes to stand right on top of her as he reaches for the rope. Alice suddenly raises her head and bites hard between his legs. The savage drops the knife. He lashes out with his fists, hitting Alice in the head once, then twice, in a desperate attempt to force her to let go. But she persists, and with a sudden jerk of her head, she rips one of the man's testicles into thousands of blood. The savage drops to the floor, howling and clutching his genitals. Alice spits out the bloody lump, and by scraping the floor with her feet, she manages to bring the bone knife within reach. The man, in a fit of rage, lounges at her, a murderous fire in his eyes, but she turns around just in time, and while crouching against the rock wall, she desperately extends her arms behind her as far as the rope allows, impaling the savage upon the long, sharp bone she firmly holds in her grasp. After a few moments of struggle, Alice manages to free herself from under the dead body and begins to cut the rope by pressing her wrists against the portion of the blade that's still sticking out of the man's chest. She then yanks the blade free, picks up the burning torch from the cave floor and stealthily approaches the open door to a corridor that dives into the darkness beyond, from which sickening, slurping sounds seem to be coming. Alice moves warily forward, the torch held high above her head until the narrow corridor, wet with moisture and filled with the smell of mould and rot, widens into a cave. 
There she is witness to a gruesome scene. Another one of those savages is busy sucking an eyeball out of Oldham's severed head, his long, tangled, filthy beard smeared with dried blood. As the light illuminates the scene, Alice gags in shock while the savage raises his head from his prized meal and gazes at her as a hint of surprise twists his bestial features. Then he drops the head and with a guttural snarl he launches himself towards her. They both fall on the hard cavern floor, his hands reaching furiously for her face, but before he can get a grip, Alice pushes the bone knife into his guts. Seemingly unperturbed by the injury, the savage reacts by yanking the blade free and plunging it all the way into her shoulder until the tip scratches the stone underneath. He then climbs over her chest and grabbing her throat in both hands begins to strangle her. Alice is drowning in pain while her lungs beg for air. She cannot breathe, she cannot scream. All she can do is claw the foul face grinning. Snarling and spitting, the brute brings his bestial face closer as he attempts to crush her pharynx with the whole weight of his body. Alice, about to pass out, seizes the opportunity and grabbing his head in her own hand sinks both her thumbs into his eyes, pushing as hard as she can. The savage screams in pain and Alice, while gasping for air, reaches around her, desperate to find something to knock him out with. Her left hand closes around one of Oldham's bones, a femur whose broken edge has been made sharp by the crude way in which it was snapped. Grabbing the bone with all her strength, she shouts full of rage and plunges the bone into the savage's neck, ripping his jugular and ending his life in a pool of splattering blood. Alice lies on the floor, panting, gulping oxygen, the unmoving corpse of the savage bleeding all over her. She shoves him aside, then tries to force her shaking limbs to move. With a scream, she pulls the bone knife out of her shoulder and sends it clattering against the wall. Then she painfully gets up. She grabs the torch, still burning on the ground a few feet from the remains of poor Oldham. The sight makes her sick, but she holds it down and goes to retrieve the blade, only to discover that it is shattered into several pieces. Her gaze then falls on the corpse at her feet with the femur bone sticking out of his neck. She yanks it free and stumbling, makes her way towards a corridor that leads in the opposite direction from which she came. Alice slowly traverses the maze of dank, silent corridors looking for a way out. But everything looks the same, and she cannot quite tell if she's making any progress or not. One bend looks just like the next. Each corridor branches out, becoming two or three more. The size of the place is staggering, terrifying. At least she hasn't heard or seen anyone else since her last encounter. As she takes another step, her naked foot comes to rest on a section of the floor which feels hard and cold to the touch. But before she can react... <coughs> some kind of rudimentary trap made of wood and sharp animal teeth closes around her ankle. Alice screams and howls as she tries to pull the trap open, but to no avail. Soon, the pain turns into rage and frustration, and she begins to hit the trap with the femur bone she's been carrying. All of a sudden, the sounds of scuttling feet rises from the darkness. As Alice hears them, she holds her breath, her survival instinct once again forcing her to ignore the pain. 
steps come closer and closer as an outline begins to appear at the edge of the circle of light emanated by the torch. What comes into view is a feral child, his twisted mouth contorted into a sickening grin. The small creature stops at a distance and begins studying her with a certain curiosity while licking his lips. Alice reaches for him, tears streaming down her cheeks. Hey! Hey, help me! Can you understand me? I'm hurt! She extends a hand towards him. He grabs it, and before she can realise what is happening, he has put it in his mouth, and with a crunching sound, his teeth close on her index finger. Alice screams and yanks her hand instinctively. At the same time, the child jerks his head backwards, ripping the whole finger off, and disappears once more into the darkness, laughing hysterically. Alice thrashes around on the floor, growling in pain and anger, frustration. She snarls like a wounded animal. She curses, kicks and screams, first clutching her body hand to her chest, then trying to stand up, only to fall again, curl in a pool of her own blood, glistening at the feeble light of the dying torch. Eventually she starts laughing, manically. From the dark, a childish laughter mocks her. You find it funny? All right, here you go. You want to see something funny? And with a resolution born out of madness, she grabs the broken femur and starts hacking at her trapped ankle. The sharp bone cuts flesh, then muscle and tendons. Finally, with a tug, she snaps her legs free in a splatter of blood. But she's not done yet. Using both hands and levering with the bone, she manages to open the jaws of the trap enough to free her amputated foot, and with a look of murderous madness and determination, she limps away in the darkness, leaving a trail of blood behind her. The silence is broken by the scuttling of the child's feet as he scurries around in the dark. His frail body comes once again into the light of the torch, now illuminating nothing but the empty trap and the dried blood covering most of the corridor's floor. The child sniffs the trap, then the blood like a hound, then starts following the trail that leads away into the darkness. His feral sense of smell leads him beyond the next bend, where a bloody stump lays within a niche in the cave wall. It's a foot, a human foot, and still fresh. The child grabs it and starts gorging on it ravenously. You like that, don't you? The child turns around in surprise, trying to gauge the direction from which the voice has come. Eat this, you little shit! And emerging from a crevice nearby, Alice brings a heavy rock down on the child's head, smashing his skull into a bloody pulp with repeated strokes. Alice is once again stumbling along an endless dark corridor. Her breathing is ragged and the amputated leg drags across the stone floor with a rustling sound. 
As she turns a bend, a point of bright white light assaults her dilated pupils. She cowers and covers her face with her arms. Then, slowly, as her eyes adjust, she dares to look and finds herself staring incredulously to the open sky. Alice would like to run, but she cannot. And so limping and shuffling awkwardly, she slowly ascends towards the growing light of the sun. After what feels like an eternity, she is finally at the threshold. She can see tall conifers swaying in the breeze against a sky heavy with clouds. She hesitates for an instant, almost afraid to trust her own senses. Then she crosses the threshold. As Alice finally emerges from the cave's mouth into the open, something wraps around her neck and pulls her up off the ground. She whimpers as the tightening cord chokes her in an iron grasp. A snarling sound comes from above that she's too shocked to pay attention. With a little strength that she can still muster, Alice grasps feebly at the air in vain. Slowly, the world around her darkens. The vision becomes blurry while her lungs try desperately to inflate and the cord snaps. Alice falls to the ground and starts coughing violently as her body begs for air. More snarls above, followed by the sound of running feet on the bare rock, alert her of another foe approaching. Within human effort, she gets back to her feet and still coughing and rasping, begins to move. She doesn't dare turn around. Instead, she makes for the trees, first tentatively, then with more vigour as her lungs recover from the shock and her heart begins to pump faster and faster, spurred by another rush of adrenaline. The snarls behind her intensify, getting closer and closer and closer. Her pursuer is gaining on her. She's limping badly now as fresh blood starts pouring out of her stump where her left foot used to be. Blinding pain assails her, but she clenches her teeth and ignores the thousand fiery needles that seem to be piercing her leg and her spine. Then she slips and falls heavily on the soft ground. She has just enough time to turn on her back when a pursuer, a growling naked female with a mane of tangled black hair, swoops in on her, brandishing a thick wooden branch. Alice kicks, claws and stabs with the broken femur bones she surprisingly still holds in her hand, but her foe is bigger, heavier, stronger. Her foul body keeps her pinned to the ground. Her strong arms push the thick branch against her windpipe with brutal strength. She's nearly passed out when a shadow enters her blurred vision from the right. A shadow with the head of a wild beast and sharp menacing teeth snap around the savage woman's head and hurl her off into the underbush. Alice gets up, rasping for air once more, and she sees the four-legged shadow beast chomping on the savage's body, covered in blood and shaking with muscular spasms. Alice then runs. Oblivious to the pain, the injuries and the whole world around her, she plunges deep into the forest, falling, then rising, and then falling again as more shadows emerge from the wood and give her chase to the thicket. Alice regains consciousness to the tweeting of birds and the gentle rushing of a stream. Opening her eye, she finds herself laying in a soft bed below an open window that looks upon verdant rolling hills. The room, simply furnished but warm and cosy, is alien to her. 
The door opens and an old man steps in, holding a bowl of soup. Oh, I see you're finally awake. Here, I brought you something to eat. You must be famished. Who are you? What is this place? Oh, no, 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 please, don't don't be afraid. I, I, I mean you no harm. In fact, I've been tending to you for the past few days. How did I end up here? I was just out gathering wood when I found you covered in blood, slumped against the, the trunk of an old oak tree. I thought you were dead, given the state you were in, and then you coughed and opened your eye. You were holding on to a broken bone with such strength that I wasn't able to get it out of your hand. Alice slowly touches the bandages that cover half her face. You must forgive me, I'm no surgeon, you know. I did what I could. You had a branch stuck in your eye, so I had to do something about it. Alice starts sobbing, a hand pressed on her missing right eye. Now now eat your soup. It will help you recover. You'll feel better soon and we'll talk again. An unspecified amount of time later, Alice awakens once again in the same bed. This time to the crowing of a rooster and the squeaking of wooden shutters swinging gently in the breeze. She gets up, grabs the crutch hanging next to the bed, puts on her old ragged clothes and leaves the room, walking down a set of wooden stairs that lead to the cottage's ground floor, and then outside onto a porch where the old man is sitting, smoking a pipe and enjoying the warmth of an early summer morning. Oh, good morning. How do you feel today, Alice? As well as I'll ever be, I guess. With her remaining eye, she looks down at the bandaged hand with the missing finger, and then at the crude wooden prosthetic foot. In fact, I believe I'm ready to be on my way. Already, it's only been three days. Surely you could use some more rest. I would if I could, old man, but time is of the essence, and I've lost enough already. If you say so... I'd just hate to find you once more face down in the dirt next time I go fishing. Alice smiles at the remark. Would you at least tell me where you're going? The Black Tower. Do you know how to get there? The man's face darkens and he becomes pensive for a while, as if lost in his own thoughts. As a matter of fact, I I do. I do. Can I ask you why someone like you would seek such a foul, cursed place? The war, old man, what else? It killed my husband, it nearly killed me. Now my only son lays bedridden because of the disease no one knows how to cure. I won't lose him, not if there's a chance. I went looking everywhere, asking sages and madmen alike, until one day I hear of the Black Tower, which holds within its walls all the secrets of the universe. I have until the rising of the third moon to find it. I'm sorry, I I really wish I could help you. But knowing the way won't be of any use to you, nor to anyone else. You are right. The Black Tower might well hold the secret you seek, but you will never reach it. Come, I'll show you. The old man leads Alice to the top of the nearest hill, where one can see the valley all around. To the north, surrounded by strange mists, a black spire rises towards the sky, like the humongous jagged tooth of an infernal god. At its feet, a black mass of gnarled trees stretches from the mouth of the valley all the way to the horizon. See that? That's your tower. Over there. They call it the Devil's Tooth. And see that forest? 
that surrounds it. That's the devil's maw. Nobody knows what lurks within, but one thing is certain. All who have entered it have never made it out alive. The legends talk of trees made of flesh which plant their seeds inside you until they burst out of your heart. Of gigantic worms nesting within mounds of human teeth. Of foul fruits whose seeds are portals to a place inhabited by people who burn but never die. I see. That place means death and death only. I'm sorry, Alice. I truly am. But there's a reason why countless have tried and none succeeded. Alice is silent for a moment, as if in contemplation. What day is it, old man? It's the fourth rising of the second moon. Why? Seven days, then. Did you hear what I just said? The devil's tooth is impenetrable. Alice starts making her way back to the cottage as the old man stares at her, incredulous. I have one more favour to ask of you, old man. What? What is it? Would you be so kind as to tell me where you put that broken femur bone? Looks like I'll be needing it for a little bit longer. You have been listening to Horror is My Happy Place, a horror podcast experience brought to you by Rubber Toe and Dean of the Dead Productions, featuring the voice acting of Dean Sharp, Laura Belcher, Jamie Roach, and Kevin Dawson, written by Alberto Voglino, music by Dean Sharp. Please follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you very much.